Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. In this session, we will cover the management of prolactinomas during pregnancy. The idea for this podcast comes from one of our great family medicine physicians who temporarily has left Texas and is serving as a physician in Peru. So, Katie, thanks for the idea, and this podcast is dedicated to you. Now, back in May of 2018, we had a prior podcast covering hyperprolactinemia. However, in this session, we're going to dive further into the topic of prolactinomas, specifically regarding their management during pregnancy. Let's get started. Prolactinomas are adenomas arising from the lactotrope cells in the anterior pituitary gland that secrete prolactin and are considered the most frequently diagnosed functioning pituitary tumor type. They account for about 40% of all pituitary adenomas. Prolactin production and release is mediated by tonic inhibition by dopamine secreted by the hypothalamus. The breast is, of course, the main target tissue for prolactin, but prolactin receptors have also been found in other tissues like the liver, the ovary, and even in men like the testes and the prostate. The primary action of prolactin is the initiation and maintenance of lactation, but it can also act as a growth factor, a neurotransmitter, or immunoregulator. Now, prolactinomas are one of the different causes of hyperprolactinemia. For the author causes, I will direct you to the podcast from May of 2018. Remember that 90% of prolactinomas are microadenomas defined as less than or equal to 10 millimeters in size. 10% are macroadenomas, of course, greater than 10 millimeters in size. Dopamine agonists, of course, are the first-line choice for prolactinomas because they normalize prolactin levels and can lead to tumor shrinkage. Surgery currently is reserved for cases where there is resistance or intolerance to dopamine agonists. There's also radiotherapy, but radiotherapy is used only in cases of surgical failure or resistance to medication. Now, during pregnancy, the pituitary gland, remember, undergoes global hyperplasia because of the progressive increase in serum estrogen levels, and this can lead to an increase in tumor volume with the potential for mass effect leading to headache or visual loss or even bleeding as a tumor outgrows its blood supply. We're going to cover the management of prolactinomas specifically in pregnancy regarding micro or macro adenomas. But when we come back, let's provide some general concepts first. Look, we're going to divide this topic into micro and macro adenomas in just a moment. But in general, the risk of tumor enlargement during pregnancy is found to depend on tumor size. Data in the literature indicates that although tumor enlargement is only about 2 to 3% max for microprolactinomas, it can be as high as 32% for macroprolactinomas, and these are the ones that were not treated surgically or medically before pregnancy. 
a magnetic resonance imaging scan, an MRI, should be done before conception to document tumor size and also serve as a baseline for a comparison with future MRIs during pregnancy if necessary. Furthermore, MRI is helpful in distinguishing between hemorrhage into a tumor versus simple tumor enlargement during a gestation. Now, although prolactinomas have been found to be amenable to medical treatment during pregnancy, especially with dopamine agonists like bromocryptine, not enough safety data is available to recommend the routine use of these drugs during pregnancy. Now, here's a clinical pearl. We said the routine use. When necessary, medication like bromocryptine or cabrigoline can and is recommended during pregnancy. But this was specifically referring to the routine use of this medication. The Endocrine Society does state that management and treatment of prolactinomas, that the recommended course of action is to discontinue dopamine agonists shortly after confirmation of pregnancy with the exception of women who have invasive or very large macroprolactinomas. Of course, women taking this medicine have concerns about the health of their fetus, their baby. Well, in women taking bromocryptine during early pregnancy, the data show that the incidence of abortion, ectopic pregnancy, or congenital malformations is no higher than that in the general population. So that's reassuring. Moreover, long-term follow-up up to nine years of children born from mothers taking bromocryptine did not see any detrimental effects on fetal outcomes in terms of fetal development as well as psychomotor developmental abnormalities, which was reported on a median of 5.5 years. But the range was actually 1 to 20 years of follow-up. Again, this data is very reassuring. All right, when we come back, let's deal with microprolactinomas during pregnancy and their management. Microprolactinomas in non-pregnant women tend to follow a benign course. The risk of significant yet asymptomatic tumor growth during pregnancy can be as high as 4%, but the risk of symptomatic tumor growth is listed as only about 1-2%. to 2%. Now, the risk of the development of new neurological sequelae like headache or optic nerve compression or visual changes ranges from 1% up to 5%, but again, that's for microadenomas on the higher end of the size scale. Remember, that's up to 10 millimeters. Prolactin tends to increase during pregnancy, so it does not reliably reflect an increase in tumor size, and it is not useful for clinical assessment. So that's a clinical pearl. In pregnancy, serial measurements of serum prolactin levels is not required. Now, in the context of the very low risk of microprolactinoma enlargement during pregnancy, there is considerable evidence supporting discontinuing dopamine agonist therapy once pregnancy is confirmed. The patient should be told that the risk of enlargement of the adenoma during pregnancy is very small and medical treatment will likely be effective when and if symptoms do occur. 
Now, the patient should be advised to report for urgent assessment in cases of unusual symptoms like severe headache or visual disturbances to rule out the possibility of tumor enlargement. As for clinical surveillance, the patient should undergo baseline formal visual field testing at the time of pregnancy confirmation and can have visual field determination once per trimester. But serial MRI examinations is not recommended unless symptoms that are new occur. Now, in case the patient does become symptomatic or have new onset of visual disturbances, of course, an MRI without gadolinium should be performed to assess for changes in tumor size. For women who remain symptom-free throughout pregnancy, serum prolactin can be measured about two months after delivery or after the cessation of nursing. And if it is similar to the pretreatment value, medication can be restarted again for usual maintenance. Similarly, for women wishing to breastfeed, an MRI should be done to ensure the stability of the tumor within about six weeks of delivery. Remember that dopamine agonist therapy will decrease serum prolactin, subsequently impairing lactation. All right, now let's get into the management of macroprolactinomas during pregnancy. In women with macroprolactinomas, which remember occur much less frequently than microprolactinomas, there is a theoretical but still real risk of tumor enlargement. In case of macroprolactinomas, symptomatic tumor enlargement can occur in anywhere from 20 up to 32% of cases. It has been reported that the risk of clinically significant tumor enlargement can fall to over about 30% to less than 5% if the patient is treated with radiation or surgery before pregnancy. Once again, although the baseline risk is about 32% for tumor enlargement without pre-incident medical therapy or surgery, once the patient has surgery and then conceives, the risk of tumor enlargement decreases from 30% down to less than 5%. Pregnant women with large tumors and those with extracellular extension who have stopped bromocryptine are at risk for tumor growth and formal visual field testing should be done in every trimester. And just like in microprolactinomas, it's not necessary to measure serum prolactin levels because it just doesn't help. Furthermore, in these cases, the treatment should be individualized as data comparing various management strategies are lacking the patient should be informed about the relatively high risk of tumor enlargement and the need for normalization of prolactin and the importance of treatment before conception. Once again, if symptoms persist, it is urgent that MRI be done as tumor surveillance. Now, again, if the patient does report any headache or visual change, the MRI should be done as soon as possible. If the MRI finding is consistent with tumor growth, then the woman can be restarted safely with a dopamine agonist. Bromocryptine is considered the first drug of choice, although this is a little controversial with others favoring cabrigoline because of its easier dosing regimen. Now, here's a quick clinical pearl because some of these women should not get pregnant. Patients with large macroprolactinomas and those with extracellular extension are strongly discouraged from conceiving until definitive therapy is first undertaken. 
therapy with surgical debulking may be considered prior to pregnancy because surgery or radiation has been shown to decrease the risk of symptomatic tumor enlargement. However, remember, nothing is free, and there is a high risk of subsequent hypopituitarism after surgery and resulting infertility. Lastly, as we get to the end of the podcast, remember that there is data that states that pregnancy has been known to cause spontaneous remission in about 75% of cases of non-tumor-related hyperprolactinemia. Pregnancy has also induced remission in about 60 up to 70% of microprolactinoma cases. But for macroprolactinomas, the rate of spontaneous remission drops to about 50 to 55%. Remember that there is a higher risk of recurrence based on initial tumor size, so those with macroprolactinomas still require long-term follow-up. Lastly, there is no data to suggest that breastfeeding in and of itself is associated with increased risk of tumor enlargement. So, women could breastfeed normally and restart dopamine agonist therapy after cessation of lactation. All right, that wraps up our quick review covering prolactinomas, both micro and macro, during pregnancy. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.